What it is, what it do, gamers. This is Kevin, a.k.a. Shownuff71. And we are here with a special edition end-of-year episode of Gaming Vessels Podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about our adventures and PlayStation experience this year. And, of course, in the digital studio, I am joined by my partners in crime. We got Dez, a.k.a. the Bay Area Terror. What's going on, my friend? Not much. Not much. <laughs> Very excited for, you know, the holidays. Uh, transitions, in my opinion, are always good. So I hope that you guys are getting ready to uh, have a very, 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 very happy um, happy holidays and a great new year. So I'm excited. Oof. Absolutely. We also got Trader Joe, a.k.a. the Food Max of Gaming, who will maximize your gaming dollar. Joe, what's going on, dude? <laughs> what's up, man? Uh, not much. Just uh, kind of relaxing. Glad this week is over. Um, play PSX is over. I had a good time. Um, my feet are surprisingly feeling good. I'm, I'm just trying to think uh, about using this to uh, kind of kickstart some cardio for myself. Uh, we'll see how that goes. You know, I, I spend too Sounds much time great. sitting sitting on my butt playing uh, Crucible. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> you know, you know, you can always stand while you're playing. You know, oh no! There's no reason why you have to sit down. You know, people people stand all the time. So, you know, that, maybe that's what we'll do. We'll uh, we'll we'll change this podcast to a to a to a gaming and gym rat, you know, podcast. <laughs> like we'll, we'll we'll report live from like a gym or something. You can hear us huffing and puffing as we're reviewing and talking about games. Like, hey, oh let me God. say about Monster World. <laughs> Destiny's awesome. Huh? <laughs> okay, we should stop that. That sounds kind of obscene. So we'll we'll, we'll continue. So. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Well, that's to simulate some cardio. You yeah. Know, a cycle or a treadmill. Yeah. You know. Not a euphemism. That's what's going right. on. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> yeah. So as we mentioned before, folks, we're going to talk about our adventures at PlayStation Experience. Uh, Joe and I had the opportunity to go. Unfortunately, Des, uh work schedule kept you away this year, correct? Yes, and I was very upset about that. Um, I had to work weekends, so I was very, very sad because I wanted to go. You know, I, I went once about two years ago with Joe when he was in San Francisco and Kev. Kev was here, too. And we went and I had a lot of fun. So um, and I have, just haven't been able to get back to it. And when it was in Anaheim, I was like, oh, we, I should go. I should go. I should go. And then I tried very hard to get it. But I couldn't. I was like, damn it. But I will I will be there next year. I promise I will be there next year because like I want to I want to go there. I want to see all this new stuff, you know, that Sony's going to be putting out. And, and I, I really hope that, you know, for this channel, we can get some, you know, um, some interviews from some, uh, you know, you know, game creators, people that are attending or something like that. And really kind of give you, you know, fans a little peek into uh, PSX for those who weren't able to go. So I'm very I'm looking very excited to uh, to going in uh, 2018. But but for you guys, what, what were your some some of your experiences from it? You know, I'm, I'm dying to hear as our uh, our listeners. Okay. Well, um, I guess I will just I'll just start out with as just from uh, an, an experience that I had that really wasn't related to the event. And I'll be really brief. Uh, my phone took a dump, uh, started acting squirrely the day I arrived, it completely crapped out. By uh, the end of the day on Saturday and Sunday, I spent most of that day 
uh, Ubering around trying to get to an AT&T store to try and get it fixed. Uh, not really happy with my cellular provider. It's a long story, but the end of the, the basically the long and short of it is when my contract's up, I think I'm done with AT&T and I'll just leave it at that. Um, <clears throat> uh, otherwise, how is your travels to the show? I mean, everything goes smooth. Oh yeah, well the the the, the travel was fine. Um, pro tip: if you're taking a train, got by the business class seat. Uh, at least for me, it was just a ten dollar upcharge, and it was worth it because I had to take a bus beginning leaving my hometown, uh, going into Los Angeles. I had to take a bus. And there was a bunch of obnoxious, uh, I can't call them teenagers because they were old enough, to, older than teenagers. Uh, I'd say they were about like in maybe their mid-20s, early, early, early 30s. They were old enough to know better. Causing a ruckus. When the bus driver has to threaten to, to stop the bus and, and, you know, kick you off like two or three times, uh, you know you're causing a problem. So... Up, up, definitely upgrade to the business class seats because uh, when I actually when I got to the part where I'm actually riding on the train, the business class car was quiet. Everybody was silent and doing their own thing, conducting their own business, whatever, or just sleeping. You know, I had my own section, and it was it was great. Meanwhile, the rest of the the rest of the train was uh, I think they overbooked because the conductor mentioned that they had over that they had uh, additional groups joining the train and saying that you will definitely have a a seat partner so <laughs> you know be prepared so i'm glad i went on ahead and did that did that uh, upcharge there so that would be my suggestion for anybody taking a train anywhere if particularly if it's going to be for an extended trip of some sort but uh the actual event um Actually, you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know, Joe, do you want to go into a discussion of starting from the beginning with the uh, the presentation itself? Yeah, well, well, well before we start, a special thank you to your wife, Rosie. Uh, she decided to uh, give up her early bird status on uh, her pass so that I could attend the uh, press conference. And it really wasn't a press conference, more like a, a fireside chat, but we'll get into that, that a little bit. That's cool. Thank you, Rose. Yeah. So uh, otherwise, because by the time I bought my tickets, the early birds had sold out. Uh, otherwise, I would not have been able to attend because they were checking those badges pretty thoroughly <laughs> on your way in. Well, you know, uh, so I told you, thank you know, I... All you had to do was like put on a wig and you know throw her badge on, and it would have been like, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I ain't Flip Wilson. I ain't nowhere no, near as funny. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I would even even a complimentary have put my arm around you or held your hand. Just so that's a kind of nope. That's a negatory, good buddy. Yeah, that is a, definitely a negatory. I uh, wouldn't have done that anyway. Oh, I know, I know. That would have been silly. A special thank you to Rose for her generous actions in that regard. Oh, well, before we start going into the um, keynote or the PlayStation Presents event on there, let's talk about our kind of uh, boots on the ground experience on Friday because uh, 
at least for me, when I got to the show, I mean, we picked up our badge and we noticed that the Capcom Cup was at the Hilton. And so, you know, we didn't just head back to the hotel or try to go kill time. We actually headed up to the Hilton and watched uh, for a considerable amount of time both the uh, Street Fighter V uh, Last Chance Qualifiers and also the Marvel versus Capcom, um, I think, what, Tournament for the Gems, Quest for the Gems. I forget what the, they named that tournament, but... Uh, uh, they had like Thanos uh, gauntlet. As that was an a, awesome trophy. <laughs> as a trophy for the thing. And then what I liked about the Marvel versus Capcom tournament is that each um, participant, or at least I'm not sure how they were distributed, but they were able to earn gems that they could use at a certain point to use against their opponent. And so certain qualities of the gems allowed them to like pick, uh, have them not pick their mains, you know, or to be able to mess with their controller settings. You know, a few odds and ends. It's wow. Just, okay. It's kind of kind of entertaining to watch them kind of implement this tournament idea and kind of bring it to fruition because you know uh, Marvel versus Capcom didn't uh, Infinity didn't do so high. You know, it's it's still kind of ramping up a bit. They're still tweaking things. You know, trying to get it. I know I was reading some stuff saying that Capcom's working on uh, trying to build up the game and, and fix some things in the game so to make it more palatable for the fighting game community on there and so um you know me and my wife kind of walked around and it's like her first exposure to fighting games you know she's played them before off and on but not to any extent and she got really interested uh be, being it's a marvel game of course and uh seeing that there's you know characters that she would recognize from the movies you know and that kind of thing and uh you know she had a good time playing uh marvel versus capcom infinite in fact and when we got back from the show i wound up uh, going down to my local GameStop and obviously uh bartering for a copy of it so we got a copy of it and she was so like you know fervent about it. she was thinking about getting that kwamba arcade stick you know the one you had your eye on too kevin mm-hmm. on there uh, i think it was going for like what 140 i think or something like that from yeah, arcade it was shock a yeah. dollar shy of 140 yeah so but uh you know i i you know, versus last year before first time in anaheim i think i enjoyed myself quite a bit more just on the opening day like on friday i think i like the fact that the keynote was on friday because i didn't have to wake up saturday morning to wait in line either you know and then we kind of me and you we took it kind of casual you know we uh decided that you know since it wasn't going to be as a, a mainline event we decided you know once we saw where the line was and everything we decided hey let's go to Ruth chris we're happy hour screw this crap <laughs> so. did you see any uh any fun any fun like um what would they be like superstars like superstar fighters anything like that did you see any of those but any of those people um usual st- i mean the usual fighters you would see on evo i mean i saw just walking around i mean the, i'm not good with names as far as compared to fighting game uh the scene or whatnot but uh Kevin, can you help me out? Like, uh, where were the more? Well, I know uh, F Champ was there. In fact, oh, I think he might have been on the stage when, uh, by the time I got there, yeah, uh, I doing doing one of his doing one of his qualifying matches, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was playing Marvel versus Capcom. Yeah, and then uh, trying to think of some other players that we saw, but there were prominent players. I mean, the players that we would normally see at an Evo kind of thing. So I thought that was kind of. Uh, I'm pretty sure Chris G was there, although I never did see him play. 
Oh, no, I think, yeah, no, I could probably bring Rose on right now and she could tell you she actually was so enthralled about it that uh, she waited to go to the last day and watch the conclusion of the Marvel versus Capcom uh, Infinity Tournament on there. So Mm -hmm. I know Chris G was there. I remember watching Chris G play, actually. So So, but uh, I don't know if that answers your question, Desmond, but... (laughs) You well, know. yeah, like I, I just wanted to see if there was like, you know, super cool people, you know, they're ready to play and, you know, yeah. get that cool stuff because I really don't know. <laughs> even even at my hotel, there's some guy saying that he was there for the Capcom Cup and he didn't do so hot. But yeah, yeah, that there's quite a bit of people there for that, you know, and to me, I didn't even touch that, you know, Friday, Saturday of last year. I didn't even go near that last year. So I thought that was a interesting wrinkle on everything and uh, see Capcom have this whole setup. You know, they had numerous vendors selling T-shirts, uh, you know, obviously Arcade Shock out there sh- uh, selling like, you know, um, arcade buttons and, and, you know, with square gates and, you know, triangle gates, you know, bat tops, you know, wooden bat tops, you know, all that wonderful fighting game lingo jingo. You know, mm-hmm. so. Gates of plenty. And yeah, uh, yeah, just the, just the, um, and of course you get a lot of that stuff, um, is kind of tournament specific. Like if, when you go and try not to find that stuff, you're not really going to find it. You know, I'm talking like specifically like the Capcom specific, you know, stick bat tops and some of the, uh, the custom, I guess I think a lot of that stuff is custom work too, but the eight way and four way gates, um, those were you can you you're better off just get going and go going to lizard lake or even amazon and getting them off of there because you won't be paying that uh the convention upcharge uh on some of those items so the pretty much if it looks cool it's going to be probably it's going to be limited and it's going to cost you a lot of money uh, <laughs> with maybe the exception of that Quamba stick because uh, I think that Quamba stick was on Amazon for less than, than you know than what you could pick it up there at the event. But yeah, and Arcade Shock was one of the vendors, and they're actually pretty reasonable. I've ordered from them before mm-hmm. on there, but you know, obviously, if you shop around, you probably can get it cheaper. And they had some of the stuff at their booth cheaper than what they sell online too. Like I bought a Street Fighter Three shirt that's pretty awesome that I'm hoping to fit into at some point. You know. Um, you know, it's just, it was in a size about one size less than what I usually wear. And so if anything will give me some cardio um, in, inspiration, that would be to fit into my uh, wonderful smaller size T-shirt. So, mm-hmm. yep, that, That's good. That's good. Well, um, well, by the time I got there for Friday, you know, I, I was kind of piggybacking on the uh, – uh, I didn't. We did. I didn't see the the completion of it because we went to the actual pre, um, uh, 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 discussion. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the um, well, let me ask you this: uh, Did your time there with um, it, watching the uh, Marvel versus Capcom tournament uh, kind of make you want to attend Evo? I'm thinking we might actually go this year. And I know, Desmond, you've been watching episodes on YouTube, and I'm definitely thinking 
very much about because if Rose enjoyed, you know, being there for just a little bit of time on a pre-qualifier, you know, or taking a look, that would be awesome to see just Evo in, in general. I mean, I think that would uh, just as an attendee, I don't know if I'd, I would, you know, push my <laughs> Skill or lack yeah, thereof up to the point. I'm, I'm sure. You know? I'm, sure I'm sure folks would be able to capture a lot of really cool video of you, you know, flipping tables and you know throwing <laughs> chairs and shit. So like, hey, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, but I think it'd be kind of cool to actually watch and, and to actually see them do that. You know, it's like any other sport. You know. It, I think it'd be interesting. Oh, if I ever went to Eva, I'd be interested not to see the top mainlining games, but like watching competitive Melty Blood or like Dead or Alive 5 or like Samurai Showdown 5 Special or, you know, hell, if they played Fatal Fury, you know, Real Bout Special or something, I would probably put my entry in, even though I know I'd probably get my ass kicked, but, you know, I'll have to see, you know. Trimeteria, my duck king. You know? It's the experience, <laughs> my friend. It is the experience. Yes. The experience the lose. Competition, yes. So uh, how was the keynote? You know, you guys got to the keynote. You know, uh, Rose did a very selfless act. Let Kevin get in. Y'all were, I hope, had good seats at least. You know, what did you yeah, think? Yeah. Yeah, we had good seats, uh, you know, in PlayStation Experience previous, like in Vegas. I mean, literally, we're like super, super close, not the first one. Like literally, I could like, you know, I think I saw Hideo Kojima like sitting a couple rows up or something. <laughs> Where, you know, this time it, it seems like year after year that uh, we get further and further back. But I don't really give a flying rat's ass either. So <laughs> on it. But uh, we had good seats in the middle. It was up in the, like a balcony type seat. And so I had no complaints on there. Um, the seats were OK. They're kind of like high school auditorium type seats. So, you know, <laughs> after a while, my back started to hurt. I don't know about you, Kevin. <laughs> but. <laughs> No, actually, I thought they were they were fairly comfortable for what they were. Yeah. Um, the um, the thing about stadium seating though is when you're down up close, the closer you are to the stage, really you're at you're 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 at a point of seriously diminished returns as far as how you're going to enjoy whatever it is you're watching, because something gets people hype, everybody's standing up, and because you're on level ground there, you got somebody that's taller than you, you know, who's jumping up and down and yelling and screaming, you may you're probably not going to have as good a view of the stage as you would where we were located basically center of the event but behind just i'd say why just behind uh and to the left of what where the 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 dj booth was and and i thought that was a great a great vantage point to have uh for 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 the event so yeah um you're better off, and I'm not saying you need to be in the nosebleed seats where you need a, a, a pair of binoculars to see what's going on. But they have huge, you know, tri- uh, Tritatron, Trinitron, you know, Sony giant TVs. I would just assume that are broadcasting what's going on on stage. But where we were, we had a good vantage point of the folks actually on the stage. So. We got a chance to really to really see and hear everything clearly that that they had going on. And really, speaking of uh, seeing the people on stage, it was uh, it was definitely different than years past. This was not what I would call a a press conference at all, and Sony was pretty upfront. <laughs> 
uh, well, depending on who you ask, yeah, uh, about it being not being as um, intense as the as it the years prior. Uh, basically, this was a fireside chat style of presentation or a panel. Or a panel, yeah, yeah where they right. had the developers come in and either give their impre- their impressions on the year after they had, uh, you know, once their game launched. Like they had the the, the uh, director for Horizon Zero Dawn up there, and he was talking about, you know, getting Frozen Wilds DLC out there and. You know his experiences in getting the game to uh, game to the shelves, and uh, they had um, uh, the director for God of War, and it was kind of like the running gag. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Sh- uh, Sean was up there saying, "Finish the game, Corey. <laughs> Finish the game." You know, so there was just kind of like this. Uh, Kind of this running gag about uh, when the game is going to be done, and they were kind of lifting the lifting the um, not really giving us any in, anything that we did know already. But uh, you know, the game is going to be done when it's going to be done. You know, that was pretty much what what we took what you could we took away from from that discussion and uh, it seems to be in the uh in the in within uh, what they call play testing you know getting those bugs out and uh, making sure it's ready for prime time for whenever uh it it comes out uh, i was thinking for certain that we were going to hit that you know because that gag was kind of going throughout the thing throughout the whole presentation that uh, when he got up to leave the stage, I was thinking that he was just going to stop and say, okay, you guys bother me for a release date. Okay, here's the release date because uh, there was that supposed leak coming off of the uh, PlayStation Store Europe uh, of God of War with a March date in 2018. So I was kind of thinking something like that was going to take place, but uh they didn't. They didn't drop any. Uh, didn't. Didn't. Even, did not make any announcements with regard to with regards to the date on God of War. For, definitely. So. Yeah. Just release the date. Maybe a week, month or two before it's ready to go. That's mm-hmm. what I say. So. Yeah, I'll never give any any company shade on on not announcing or even delaying a game. I'd rather have the game be right when it comes to market than have it be a buggy mess and and having potentially wasted my money you know, on something that wasn't ready for prime time. So, yeah. So, and then they also showed the um, media molecules dreams, which I thought was a good demo. I kind of repeated the same trailer from the game awards the night before, but they kind of a little bit more in the detail about the game on there. I know that's probably not a game on your radar, Kevin, but I know Rose really liked um, Little Big Planet before, and so she's uh, looking forward to, I think, you know, showing her the trailer. Even though she's like, you know, I don't know what it is, you know, and, and but she thought the trailer was interesting, you know. Uh, they don't have, like, a lead character, like Little Big Planet, where it's all about the adventures of Sackboy anymore, so that's, that might be something to her. It's not as, like, kawaii kawaii coot or anything like that, so... <laughs> 
but you know, I think for what they've shown and what they've been working on, I mean, I've seen elements in that trailer where they're showing like, you know, a top down shooter, you know, and other types of gameplay that you can actually create with the damn thing. So it's just like uh, kind of an in, in, enthused about, I'm interested. We'll have to see more. I didn't really go to the booth at the show, but uh, I thought dreams was a, a good thing to show. So. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there, I think it was, I can't remember if it was IGN or one of the other big, um, uh, gaming news websites, you know, that do a podcast. It was one of them. There is basically dreams is letting you develop your own game pretty much from, from the bottom up. The, the one of the uh and i can't remember her name it was uh it was a, a a guy and a girl that worked for this working for this company did a um had an appointment with dreams and they're asking questions like okay if i create can i can i create an npc and have that character's voice emanate from uh another object in the scene and the developers would say yes and this is how you do it and they'd show them how it was done i mean the the rabbit hole goes deep with the creation functions in this game and pretty much it is far more in depth than uh um what was what was the the sack boys game um uh little big planet was even though you could make different game types in Little Big Planet, this one Dreams is going even further uh, down the rabbit hole. So pretty much, if you can, it sounds like you know you. Granted, you are limited to the graphical presentation and style of the game, but pretty if you can think of it, it seems like through Dreams you're going to be able to make it. And there, I think there's going to be a lot of creative people who will probably get their start in game development through this game. Um, it, it, if it is not something that I would do because I don't have a creative bone in my body. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Stuff. No, I don't. But I used to. I used to be able to draw, but I, I lost that skill many years ago. But I think for those, just like when people got their first uh, – steps into game development by developing unreal maps for pc i think this game has the potential to really showcase some up up and coming talented people uh through dreams i agree uh, so yeah, it's going to be really else. interesting to see what uh, to see what people start creating through this title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm not buying the game. If I do buy the game, I'm pretty sure I am uh, to <laughs> create my own games. I actually want to be able to download what, see what other people have come up with, and I hope uh, they have a good way to kind of you know have a, a like top rated um, downloads and that kind of thing. I'm pretty sure they thought of everything in that aspect, though. So, mm-hmm. yep. Yes, indeed. So. And then also, what uh, they had Detroit Almost Human uh, on the stage too. They did a live demonstration on that. And I, what did you think of that segment? They had people in the audience actually, you know, cheering for like one result over the other. And uh, do you think the guy up on stage from Quantic Dream is actually actually <laughs> he, he was listening to the people like right at the front row, directly in front of him. Yeah, uh, that that came out in one, one of the other big uh, corporate uh, podcasts because they were seated like directly in front of where he was playing. 
and uh, there was about six to eight people that he was actually hearing what they were saying. So he was doing what they were telling him to do because the, the, there's no way <laughs> that in that auditorium that he'd have been able to make heads or tails out of anything. But, uh, they, they revealed, uh, through that podcast that he was actually paying attention to that first row that was directly in front of him. Um, uh, Detroit become human is, looks very impressive. Um, I, you know, I'm not really big into telltale games. You know, my whole thing was if I, if I wanted to play a telltale game, I'd just read a book. Uh, this looks a lot more engrossing, you know, not, it, it just seems that there's more, it's kind of like a little bit of Batman Arkham series because you kind of go into that detective mode and you can examine things and gather information that adjust your uh, uh, probability for success in completing the mission. And I really like that. Um, the graphics are ridiculously good. The story looks extremely compelling. Um, I enjoyed Heavy Rain. I never did play that that follow-up game. I mean, not a follow-up to Heavy Rain, but their next game, uh, the one where you were the girl with the ghost. Um, Beyond um, Two Souls. Beyond Two Souls. Uh, I never played Beyond Two Souls, but I did play Heavy Rain and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I have started... Um, Oh gosh, you know the the horror the horror game where you uh, until dawn until dawn. Yeah, I yeah, haven't finished it yet, but that style uh, within this kind of uh, futuristic but uh, not so improbable future, uh, given the advancements in computer and robotics technology and artificial intelligence. Uh, is really appealing to me. So this will be a day one purchase when it comes out. And they're hinting at a spring 2018 date too. So even though we have a little window, we don't have a date yet, but it's coming fairly soon. So, yeah. And And it's, you know, spring is typically not a super, super, super heavy time. Um, yeah, if it's Although there were, March. there were some big bangers that came out at the beginning of, of this year, though. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think it's good that they're that they're spreading their uh, exclusive content throughout the year and not just waiting till the end of the year to say, hey, you know, here's all these great these great games that are going to be competing with Call of Duty and uh, you know, battle whatever Battlefield game is out there at the time. Yeah. All right, and then also too. Um, after that, they had um, uh, kind of a build-up. I mean, uh, they built up, and then they brought out uh, Hideo Kojima, Andrew House, and uh, Mark Cerny out all at once. <laughs> so um, they made kind of, in my estimation, I didn't want to see the Death Stranding trailer again, but I think it was there for people that didn't watch the Game Awards the night before, mind you. So they had an opportunity to present that. And then uh, Mark Cerny wound up uh, interviewing Hideo Kojima, which, you know, during the interview, he didn't answer one of the questions, but I think that was actually scripted into the interview because he's, uh, Hideo's been known to uh, kind of shuck and jive. He was asking them what Death Stranding was 
is actually all about. And obviously, you're not going to get the 411 on that. I don't know if anyone knows what Death Stranding is really all about on there. You know, it's creepy as all get out, but uh, maybe more weird than creepy. I don't know what you think, Kevin. Um, the, you know, we have to remember this is the mind of Kojima. And yes. I've always been a strong uh, appreciator of the Metal Gear series of games that he did. I didn't like them play-wise because I can't do stealth. I, I suck at stealth. It's just me and stealth just don't get along. But I've always admired uh, just the the bat crap crazy stuff that happens in Metal Gear. And I can see that – I'm assuming that this game, you know – I mean, this game may have stealth. We don't even know what the game, what gameplay is because according to Mark, he said that he's played a certain number of hours of the game. Uh, he did not say what, you know, go into details as to what that was really. Uh, but, you know, it looks really creepy, looks really weird. We got Throat Baby going on. Uh, you know, oh, so I was... Thumbs uh... up. I watched a couple of um, things, you know, little little quick snippets from uh, from people who are talking about that game. And I guess there's like there's this rain that if it hits you, it makes you age. Uh, it makes you age, unfortunately. So and the babies kind of help that or the babies or that's why they're wearing the suits and and the, the babies power the suits or something. I don't know. It's just all kinds of craziness. And there's and it's supposed to be like sort of like how death goes. Um, so, when, you know, when you play like Dark Souls and you're playing games like that. And so death is kind of like not the end of the game. Well, supposedly that's kind of how it is in in this game. So the water stuff is um it's sort of like purgatory. So you have to kind of, you know, kind of come out of the water and then you're back in, on land or something like that. So so there's mm -hmm. this like, so death really isn't like the end, so to speak. So like, I don't know, you know, and then like, I guess Norman Reedus has a baby inside of him or something <laughs> or, or these like alien multi-dimensional babies i don't know it's all <laughs> it's all crazy you know because it's kojima but anyway it's just funny it's just like you know and then you, you saw the trailer with like the baby they had their they had their suits on and then they had the baby mm -hmm. in the suit in the front and then when you change the baby like that arm thing on your hand on the top starts to move around and stuff so the babies are sort of like a power source and i don't know just the i'm looking at that game and i'm like Sure. We'll see. <laughs> I'm just like sure. <laughs> well, they they said that the uh, underwater sequence in the trailer is actually playable. That that's a playable build from PS4, and you actually yeah. can control your character. So, yeah. So that's so. the thing. It's like it's like you die and you, or how the people are speculating is you die and you go to this underwater area, and then you have to kind of come back out of the underwater area, sort of like in in the Dark Souls games where you would when you would die and then you would revert back to like the the the, the hollow people or, or whatever and so you'd be like a zombie in the in dark souls and then you have to go back to where you were and then you re re reclaim your souls or something like that so people are, are suggesting or hinting that that's probably what what it could be like you know a, a, a new type of mechanic like that so i don't know i'm interested in this game i don't know what's happening <laughs> mm -hmm. and um and yeah so ugh. I know Prey had a similar death mechanic, the first Prey, 
for the original Xbox. Uh, when you died, uh, you would go into the spirit world where you had this, uh, you know, the spirit bow and arrow, and you had to shoot a certain number of uh, enemies in this, you know, in this in this purgatory to earn enough. Uh, I guess it would be, you know, energy, chi, whatever, whatever, whatever it was, you'd get the strength to bring yourself back to the real world to continue the game. So um, I think Prey was the first game that I ever played that um, employed a a similar mechanic. And it sounds like uh, Death Stranding might be doing something along those lines. I don't know if you have to collect anything necessarily or, or how they're going to work. I'm sure it'll be something original and uh, a bit on the cray cray side <laughs> that you have to do to get back. But uh, uh, I am, I am intrigued by it. Definitely. I'm just hoping that it's not stealth heavy. <laughs> so I'll be able to play it. Now, um, prior in the show, too, they did show some trailers. I, th- I kind of thought the trailers were kind of awkwardly inserted into the whole, um, you know, presser. I don't know what you call it. Like I said, sit down, a um, whatever you want to call it. The fireside yeah. chat. The fireside chat, the <laughs> thing. But uh, they had trailers. Uh, interesting enough, some VR stuff got announced. Uh, Last Guardian has a VR experience, like a, maybe a half an hour, 45-minute VR experience that is already up and available. It's free, of course. Uh, they also have free updates for Wipeout Collection. On there, it's going to get a full uh, VR update where you're able to play the entire game in VR. If you want to uh, hurl your cookies, you know, mm-hmm. by all means, <laughs> go ahead and do that. Uh, they showed a snippet of a... Um, new 4v4 um, first-person shooter called Firewall Zero Hour that, uh, you know, we didn't really see on the show floor, but it was kind of cool that they kind of added that at least to show that. Um, the trailer for Donut Country looked kind of cool. It was like a cute little trailer where you were able to throw donuts on the floor and having people go in these sinkholes and whatnot. So I thought that was uh, amusing. We'll see what the game is. actual not a VR game that they announced at the show, believe it or not. On there, um, any thoughts about any of the trailers I mentioned, Kevin? Mm, pretty much it's, uh, especially with Wipeout Collection, I know any of the VR stuff, you're like, uh, not my bag. So. Yeah, um, I, we'll get to it once we get to this, once we start discussing what we played on the show floor. Yeah. Um, I had the chance to try PSVR for the first time. Uh it is it, it's legit it's legit tech but it's just it's just not for me i i, I just can't use it so it it will we'll go we'll go into more detail about it when we, once we get to the floor show but i think it's important that because whether you know and there's been uh, i think Sean Layden or maybe it was Andrew House i can't remember which which one it was they were saying that they were kind of, you know, they were pleased with the performance of the product, but a little apprehensive because basically Sony is the market leader in in consumer VR, at least at, when it comes to uh, its use on set-top boxes on consoles. So they're, they're basically kind of leading the way. And I think what I think what they did do was they showed that they are behind the technology. They're behind the product. Uh, they're bringing new, ex- they're 
kind of adding new VR experiences to existing games. Some of them do not require you to purchase anything. So, you know, you're, you're going to be able to experience VR uh, without necessarily having to come out of pocket for some of those titles. Um, I know Resident Evil 7 has a VR experience in it. Um, and, and the games that you mentioned as well. So I think it's important uh, that Sony show it, uh, at least the public that is interested, either still maybe still on the fence, uh, even after the tr- the price drop uh, for PSVR and the, and the bundles that in the bundles that hit for Black Friday. Uh, maybe those folks that are still on the fence try to get them to come on over by showing that the product is being well supported. Yeah. And they did show another game uh, that a lot of people were saying were was a PlayStation VR exclusive, but it actually just has a PSVR mode, and that would be the uh, Dolphin music shooter, uh, Jupiter and Mars, on there. So I actually enjoyed that trailer quite a bit. It kind of reminded me of a, a game in the genre like Res Infinite or um, Thumper on there, where there's some music aspects to it, but there's also a story on there. And so I know that that game is being uh, developed by a couple of uh, ex-EGM employees, actually. So uh, like James Milkey and uh, Sam Kennedy from EGM are working on that. And so it's kind of cool to see it from them because, you know, it's cool to see people in the games press actually, you know, kind of go forward and and make games and for a living, you know, go from a a mere journalist job to – to where you know they are the head honchos for certain games i know there's like old egm editors like brian intahar was the ex-egm employee and he's the game creative director for spider-man you know so it's like and then destiny of two uh destiny two of course is helmed by luke smith who used to work for one up back in the day so you can see where you know maybe becoming a games journalist is not your final gig in the whole stepping stone as it is so Mm-hmm. on there and then um also to mention the trailers that they shown they showed a trailer for soul caliber six which is kind of a it had a little bit different uh, um uh, a different trailer than what was shown at the game awards the night before and then both me i'm assuming you are super excited for this too kevin very much uh, so yeah so probably gush about more in our, uh, you know, anticipated games, 2018 episode, season one, uh, season two, episode one uh, coming up next month. So on that. So and then last but not least, they kind of unveiled one last announcement at the show, which was uh, um, they're going to be re- doing a remaster of Medieval. Uh, for the PS4, which was uh, a game series that was on the PS1 back in the day, uh, starring Sir Dan, uh, walking, talking skeleton, of course. And uh, have any of you guys played Medieval before on the PS1 or on the PS4? I have not. Um, I played it, I think, at your house, maybe. Yeah. But uh, I don't really remember it that well. (laughs) Like, I remember the Sir Dan, but I don't really don't, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, no, they they are working on either a remade version or a remastered version of that game. We'll have to see how that kind of plays out. It's going to be kind of hard remastering a PS1 game on the PS4, so we'll see if they uh, redo all the assets and kind of do it the way the Shadow of the Colossus did. But that's PS2 to PS4, you know, so it's like... 
It'll be interesting. Yeah, it's a, another one of Sony's like back catalog character action games that I think uh, did have some resonation. Maybe not too much since you know the last game uh, medieval game that's come out is like a PSP game that came back out in like 2005, 2006. So. But I remember it being a, a good game, you know. So we'll have to see yeah, how that well that works for them. And as long as they're not resuming and taking out like Blasto from <laughs> the PS1 days or something like totally obscure, I think uh, um, it's cool to kind of pull from that back catalog. I hope uh, I was hoping hell they should do a new Maxima with Capcom, but you know, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> That would get my vote for sure. Yeah, for sure. So anything else you'd like to add for the um, little fireside chat, little keynote? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the Concrete Jungle. I can't remember if that was part of the uh, – it, it was the Greg Miller thing. The Greg Miller. Okay, it was yeah. part of the, that was part of the Greg Miller uh, discussion. But I think it's worth mentioning – um, this game is by the folks that uh, is it, is this by? Um, gosh, my it's, brain it, isn't working. Yeah, no, it's it's actually from a new newer developer. I don't think they've done anything before okay. prior to this game. So, so if you're thinking of another developer, nope. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of another developer. So, uh, but what is neat about Concrete Jungle? Is basically you you play the role of this uh, this kid looks like he's maybe in junior high, and he's he's being bullied and he has the ability uh, to bring his um, his uh, graffiti art to life uh, with his uh, magic brush, and the demo the demo that they gave with that was just really really neat in in a lot of ways it kind of reminded me of. Um, uh, uh, jet grind oh. radio, yeah, kind of like a yeah that jet grind radio vibe kind of mixed in with uh, infamous a little bit. That sounds awesome. Just actually. from the way, just kind of way the the colors kind of popped out at you. Yeah. Um, there's supposed to be some some combat uh, implementation with regards to how you create and. Uh, uh, control your artwork that was not shown but just for the purposes of uh psx they were just showing you how you go about the process of creating and they it really it, it's really simple it looks really simple you, you bring up a little palette okay i want to put a tree here i want to put a put grass here and you just kind of manipulate it using the uh that big uh digital pad i mean the 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 button pad on the dual shock and you're able to create these really beautiful looking uh graffiti art and animate your little creatures and you know at, at some point they're going to show us how that works into the combat of the game but i was really impressed with what i saw uh with concrete jungle so i'm definitely uh, looking forward to finding out more about that. It's actually Concrete Genie. I wrote it down. Genie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I was wrong, wrote wrong on the outline, so I do apologize for <laughs> throwing you a curveball. But yeah. uh, uh, the developer of the game is called Pixel Opus on there, and actually it's a Sony-owned uh, studio out of San Mateo, actually. So, so, and basically the purpose of uh, pixel opus, as far as the studio is concerned is to give, um, 
students right out of school, like people that go to the game, game development schools and that kind of thing, uh, are basically uh, starting the business. So the whole studio is based on the fact of, of giving uh, these people like kind of a head start in the industry a little kind bit. Kind of their it, first job. Yeah, and uh, you know the, head, the heads of the studio are actually uh, um, like – older veterans of the uh, development world, that kind of thing. So uh, I think uh, the head of the Pixel Opus is uh, the VP of product development at Sony Interactive Entertainment. Her name is uh, uh, Connie Booth on there. And so they basically just brought this like group of people together, all young people probably just coming out of game development school and basically just uh, getting them to kind of coalesce to like, you know, start their career at least off on a good note, you know, not being so grindy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you hear all these game development stories about, you know, people getting fired, hired and all this other crap. So... So it's good that they're working on at least developing some people and doing it in an artistic manner at least. So yeah, yeah. So um, I guess what did you think overall of this presentation? Uh, say as compared to how it was done in the past, were some things that you'd rather have seen done differently, or how, how would you grade it if you want to put a, a or what your impressions? Maybe that's a better question. Yeah, if I I don't know about letter grade, but um, I'd say maybe a B to B minus on there. I think a lot of people online were outraged and thought that was a waste of time. But there was definitely attending it live enough t- uh, things to keep my interest. And you know, granted, it's not as uh, niche and uh, you know. Um, announcement heavy as it has been in the years past but you know I would rather have something like this than nothing at all you know mm-hmm. but I think we you comment on Twitter and we were kind of talking at the show they could have used this as an opportunity to be able to hype up some games that are might be a little bit under the radar a bit you know and I'm thinking even if they did that probably the uh, opinion online would be why in the hell do I want to look at a 10 million you know, five to 10 minute trailer and focus on like say dynasty warriors nine or like, you know, attack on Titan two or Nino Kune, you know, they could have maybe announced in Yakuza Kiwami two on stage, you know, they could have, uh, you know, put a little bit more focus on maybe some Japanese development on their developers, you know, kind of like they did. Cause you know, in a way, you know, PSX last year kind of hyped up Neo a little bit. They hyped up Nier Automata a little bit. Um, they had certain announcements like SNK announcements, you know, no Vita announcements, you know, this year where, you know, you'll get Geo Corsi on stage announcing stuff for the Vita, you know, or uh, we didn't see any games like release right then and there and free on the floor kind of thing, you know, where they've done that in years past. And, you know, they're experimenting. They're going to see what they can do and cannot do. I think you know, they're trying to get beyond the fact of uh, – coming up with a bunch of trailers that for games that are not going to be out for two to three years. So they want to maybe keep the marketing beat a little bit closer to the vest on there. And I think this is just giving them an opportunity to do a reset quote unquote on there where they're not having to come up with the, with the big bangers and the announcements, that kind of thing. So on there, you know, they could have held maybe Ghost of Tsushima for this presser, but this decided to unveil it at Paris Games Week, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for what they did, you know, but uh, I could see where they could have done, taken a different angle with it and hyped up some different games, possibly. Even focusing on the games on the floor, too, God. Yeah. So, yeah. 
I I also understand after going go attending this, I understand why they just did the early bird tickets and not making it general admission. When I say general admission, I mean anybody that got a ticket because in years past, your early bird benefit was just you paid less for buying your tickets sooner. Um, I I don't think it would have been a good experience for bringing everybody that had a ticket into that arena uh, to see that fireside chat. So, you know, particularly, especially if it, the schedule was as, was it has had, as it's been in the past where Saturday was your keynote and your first day of the event. Uh, so you got to get up extra early so you can get a good place in line, especially if you didn't get your credentials the, the night or the day before and stand in that long line and get in and just to have just to have that i think that would have been that would not have you know given had any goodwill for those folks uh, who would have maybe stood in a line for four and a half five hours just to just to get a good spot so they could get in uh so i understand why it was just early bird access only on there but you know, like like you said, I think some other games should could have been showcased. They could have had some people come out and mention and play some of the games that we would, you know. And hey, you'll be able to play this play this on the show tomorrow. But we just want to give you a idea of what's out there on the on the floor from some of our uh, some of our partners that are developing software for our console right now. So mm. uh, I think, you know, it could have been, it could have been better quote unquote. Uh, I think coming off of uh, Paris games week, you know, and, and uh, I think Sean Layden addressed this a little bit while he was up there talking with uh, talking with Greg Miller, you know, they wanted to give something to their fan base over in Europe. So, you know, I can understand why Ghost of Tsushima was announced, you know, over there, but it would have been nice to have that being held, been held over for, for PSX. So I understand the decision, you know, um, but I think for folks watching it, streaming it, uh, I understand the sentiment that, you know, oh man, this is garbage. This is trash. I get that. Uh, PSX is really for you to be there, you know, even, even watching the, um, uh, if I had to watch the streams from years past, you know, I just get the, the impression that really you need to be there playing the games on the, on the show floor, kind of like a PAX, you know, it's like a dedicated PlayStation focused PAX where you're going to have everything from triple a to indie uh down there for for you to get in there and, and play and get you know get your hands on early builds of all these different games so you know for those attending i thought it was i thought it was good uh but you know i i can understand you know folks who were watching it online not really getting it but it's not like we weren't warned <laughs> that this wasn't going to be you know with you know bomb drop in time uh they there's only pretty much uh, informed everybody of that beforehand so you know kind of sort of it is what it is but um from there on saturday was the actual first day of the event so 
Uh, why don't we go in and talk a little bit about what we played on the actual show floor? All right. You have anything to add, Desmond? I know I don't know how much of the stuff you watched or partaked in or what kind of thing. Yeah, I'm just interested in hearing what you guys played on the floor, really. You know, um, I saw most of the stuff, you know, the, the keynote. So, um, you, know, you know, you and I have spoken about it, Joe. So, so yeah, I just, you know, I'm, I'm more interested in hearing what you guys played, you know. All right, awesome. So, and talking about what we played, at least the first kiosk I went to was uh, the kiosk for Strange Brigade, the upcoming game from Rebellion. Uh, basically, four, it's four versus all the undead zombie, not zombie, uh, Egyptian hordes, mummies and whatnot <laughs> coming out of, the, out of the flock. And this game is uh, based in the 1930s. It has like an old Adventure Time movie motif on there. And so I know I had the chance to go play with play the game with you uh, later on on Sunday on there. But but, uh, you know, I think in Rebellion has taken the kind of the beads they took upon uh, their previous games like Zombie Army Trilogy, where it's not all about, you know, basically being a mod of uh, Sniper Elite. They actually are rolling with a, a new type of game, at least. And I'm, I love the art style. I love the uh, combat, at least. Um, it's in a third person style, so it's not. Uh, no first person whatsoever you you know cameras behind your character and uh um i'm just enjoying what i played i'm thinking this is going to be a real tentpole um you know game night type of game where i'll be playing this online with you guys and also maybe even with randoms and taking on the adventures you know i had like a whole like uh like i said a 30s adventures movie motif so what, what are your impressions of the game kevin I really like the game. Um, I I've enjoyed I enjoyed Zombie Army Trilogy. Uh, I, I think it's fun. Um, I've had some my difficulties with the Sniper Elite, but uh, Strange Brigade is just you know all out what seems to be what you what you would maybe consider uh, more close quarters fun. Uh, Chaos, kind of, you know, maybe along the lines of a uh, uh, killing floor, although not as many enemies coming at you, at least from from what we played. It's still very challenging. Yeah. But um, I really like the that that 1930s black and white uh, episodic. Uh, I don't know if you call it a soap opera or drama motif that they had to the style was fantastic yeah it was like uh, uh, like an old pulp movie yeah i, th- I think yeah. If desmond might be familiar with that term right like you know like an old 30s 40s like you know you go uh, in the movie theater on a saturday and catch your weekly episode kind of thing you know <laughs> or Kinda? almost like a, like, a, like a radio adventure you know yeah, yeah. like a the, the announcer was straight from like 1930s 1940s radio okay you know it it, it was it, it kind of reminded me, and it, it, it kind of reminded me of like when my mom would tell me, you know, when she would go to the theater, there was the main movie that you were going to see, and there would always be like some sort of uh, uh, like episodic thing that would come, and 
the thrills, the spills of Captain Crusader and his and his side trusty sidekick, you know, John Boy, you know, <laughs> Von Cool Man, something, something like that, you know, you know, you know, and have the, uh, you know, the. Uh, uh, um, you know, those uh, stylized, I- expressive adjectives, you know, excitement, adventure, you know, popping up on the screen. It, you'll see you'll recognize the motif if you see the uh, the game, either the gameplay or the trailers for Strange Brigade. It, it's it's definitely one I'm I'm I was kind of interested when I first heard about it, uh, when it was first discussed at E3. Uh, but I'm a, even more uh, interested in after playing the game. It's looks like a lot of fun. Uh, for me, my first game after uh, getting to the uh, uh, getting to the convention center was uh, Y2K RPG, a post a postmodern role playing game. And this is an indie title by Ack Studios. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It's, it's spelled A-C-K-K Studios. And basically the game takes place in the 80s. You are this um, kind of this uh, ginger, you know, redheaded uh, guy that just graduated from college. You're returning to your hometown of Frankton. Uh, to to move back in with your mom and trying you know get your get your uh, your post college life together meaning getting a job and you know kind of finding your way and uh, the demo that they had that they had uh, going on the floor it is very it quickly moves from the regular to the wow this is crazy <laughs> the um, the art style is kind of a simple art style the um, the dialogue scenes are which are styled in the similar way of what you would see in it like a, a typical JRPG where you know it's like anime design characters pop up on the screen you see their dialogue uh being displayed at the bottom and the gameplay itself is completely different from that anime art style it's turn-based uh it's kind of uh the the combat kind of reminds me of uh gives me cues from persona 5 because even though it's turn-based uh combat it's very interactive like your main character his primary weapon is his father's record player. So he's doing like, I don't know if it's a scratch necessarily, but as the radio turn, as I'm the radio, the record turns, you have to press the X button on these specific points on the record player to build up uh, additional hits on your enemy. And once that you've completed that cycle, you, you can earn up to seven hits with this particular weapon he'll throw the record at whatever enemy he's fighting and it'll hit them three to seven times, depending on how, you know, how well you did in powering up your attack. Uh, the menus are very traditional 
turn-based style. You know, you hit the the options button. That'll bring up your skills and your items, and you can change out. You can see where you'll be able to change out your, you know, your uh, uh, equipment, your what you're wearing, and alter your stats that way. But it's a very unique, very odd game. Uh, you're you're going through you the, you find this cat with a mustache and you follow this cat in the woods because it stole the shopping list that your mother laid out for you, and the next thing you know you find yourself in this alternate dimension. Uh, the cat belongs to this girl that lives in this dimension, and you have to traverse use the cat to traverse different areas, hit switches and wait, 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 uh, wait, wait, wait. Did you say cat? Uh-huh. cat All right, I'm yeah. playing it then. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's a cat. <laughs> like my cat. cat that talks. <laughs> uh, although it, it only talks in this alternate world and it's got a mustache and it, it's craziness. It, it's all around craziness, but it's got a simple art style. Um, for whatever reason, this game just really grabbed me. And that was the first I stood in line for about 45. The demo was long. The line was short for this game, but the demo was long. The demo was about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, I was third in line. So there were two other people that played through the whole demo <laughs> before I got a chance to uh, get to it and play. But I'm glad I did because it's it was one of those one of those indie titles that uh, really deserves some shine because I, I think I think uh, Axe Studios has got something really neat here. So that was the first game that I checked out. I had a um, a couple appointments on Saturday, so I wound up going to my appointments. Uh, one thing at PSX that you have to do, especially for Sony's first party games, is that they weren't available for you to wait in line and be able to play. You actually had to go onto the companion app for PSX and um, be able to sign on at the um, spe- specified times to arrange an appointment to do a demo of said game on there. And the reason why is that uh, a lot of the boots there this year, are they were more like um, adventures as far as exploring the boots and everything. Um, they had a booth for Spider-Man, of course, God of War, um, also for Days Gone, but they had no game <laughs> games or kiosks to play the game there because there's no playable builds in the game, but they still had those available. But for uh, the Shadow of Colossus, they had a one of the Colossi in the booth, and basically you're able to play the demo, which I did uh, for 20 minutes, and then afterwards climbed a nice ladder in the back of the Colossi and take a picture <laughs> with said sword inserted into the Colossi's back um, and making fun of said Colossi and, and anguish you know obviously I don't know if there's a Colossi defense force out there or anything <laughs> or you know God forbid PETA gets involved you know because you know I don't know if these are considered animals or whatnot yeah. but uh, when People I play those the ethical treatment of golems <laughs> yes and Colossi yes <laughs> 
But uh, the Shadow of the Colossus demo was uh, it just it goes to show you once they put a nice um, coat of paint on something and, and have the game actually play properly in 60 frames a second that um, it kind of made the world a difference actually uh, playing this uh, PS4 version of the game versus the original PS2 game, which kind of ran like uh, 15 frames a second, <laughs> 20 frames a second. You can kind of tell just why um, probably the reason why I never finished that game on the ps2 was because of that reason and i never dabbled with the ps3 remaster so uh, definitely this game's on my radar coming up and uh, i think blue point the developer kind of did a great job and just on the demo that i played mind you and it's been so long since i, I played shadow colossus is that i couldn't figure out where the colossi was at i was like roaming the map and uh trying to figure out but i barely made it to the colossi at the end of my like 20 minute demo and so and at least I didn't have anything spoiled for me, per se, but <laughs> <laughs> I got a nice poster out of it and a picture with the Colossi with uh, me attempting to murder this uh, stuffed Colossi. So I think, you know, uh, put, put one notch on my belt on there. Um, also, another appointment I had was to play a game I actually already own, which is uh, Farpoint VR on there. They had the um, 1v1 mode uh, debuting at the show on there. And I think the um, patch, the uh, update for the game is uh, was already out at the time the show came about. It's just, um, I just barely bought, like I said on last episode of uh, Gaming Vessels, I just got my PSVR. And so um, I haven't really even played Farpoint here at home yet, you know. So it was like kind of getting used to playing the game, even though I was familiar with it. And uh, for the life of me, I could not get that headset settings to adjust properly and so I'm, I'm nearsighted I can't see far and so even with my glasses on um, basically my opponent in the background was a blur on there and so I didn't really do too well in the demo on there and you know, I'm trying to make excuses or anything like that, but uh, I thought it was interesting, the 1v1, because you were able to, at some point, go to certain um, areas of the map and activate some NPC characters to go towards the, um, your other opponent on there. So there's a lot of things going on in the map, and you had to make sure to notate what color you were because of the fact that, you know, obviously activate these bugs to attack the enemy player on your behalf you have to make sure that you're not later you know if you're walking around the map attacking those same said bugs <laughs> if they're around you on there you know and i think knowing you guys playing multiplayer shooters with me you know i shoot first and ask questions later probably so <laughs> but um i'm gonna i didn't really enjoy the demo i played there um i'm gonna probably you know get to where it's all nice set up in my own personal uh setup on there and give farpoint single player a uh a deep dive first before i dive into the 1v1 uh, mode that they have available now so on there so what else did you play on saturday kevin uh, on Saturday, speaking of VR, I got my first um, uh, I try a demo of uh, PSVR ever uh, by playing a game called Persistence or The Persistence, and that game is by uh, Fire Sprite. They're they're out of Europe, um, and it was kind of funny because uh, and. 
<laughs> when I sat down, uh, one of the one of the developers of the game uh, was was next to me, and, I, and and he sits down. He's like, uh, I told him, okay, I've never used <laughs> VR ever. <laughs> he looked at me, and said, okay, this is going to be a trial by fire then for you, but. Um, it's a this is a neat title uh, and the reason I, I I wanted to play this because for the most part the other VR games uh, uh, this would be the type of game that I would want to play if I had the headset so I just wanted to see how it played and basically this is kind of you can play it solo but the game is basically designed almost as a party horror game up to two people can have uh, mobile devices, either a phone or a tablet, with the Persistence Game app on on it. And basically, you have to depend on those one or two people to tell you where you need to go to get what you need done to accomplish your your object. Either accomplish your objectives, acquire new weapons. You're dependent on. Uh, the, that input, but the problem is, is that you have to make a decision, particularly if you have more than one person on a mobile device. Each person who has a mobile device has their own agenda for them to win the game. It may involve keeping you trapped somewhere. It may involve, you know, setting you up to be murdered by these, uh, uh, I guess, space zombies because you're in this uh, this space station. Uh, kind of, it almost kind of gives you a. Um, uh, oh gosh, what was the name of that game? That uh, EA, that horror game that EA canceled. Um, uh, you were, you use tools for weapons. You had to cut off the limbs of everything that 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 uh, I can't Sorry. remember anything. Dead space. Or dead space. Kind of... Yeah, you kind of got to get a dead space vibe uh, by the way the environments are designed. Um, but my problem with the game, and it's not the game uh, because I thought it was well designed and well implemented. It's the tech, uh, which is why um, I won't be getting a PSVR. I didn't get sick, but I got extremely disoriented. Um, the way you play this game in particularly, particularly rather, uh, you move around in the environment using the DualShock 4 left stick, you know, moves you forward, back, left, and right. But in order to look around in the room and even to aim your, your, your weapon's reticule, you have to turn your head. Just the act of moving, just keeping my head steady and just moving throughout the environment, I didn't get dizzy, but I got extremely disoriented. Like, I was looking right at the icon for my next, you know, for my for, where I needed to go because you go from room to room to room, uh, you know, fighting these, these infected uh, people in this space station, um, I'm looking right at the icon telling me where to go, but for the life of me, I can't figure out that's where I need. Now, the guy next to me is saying, okay, you're going to see this white icon. That's where you need to go. But as I'm moving toward it, 
I get disoriented and particularly if there's an enemy that comes out and I have to fight him, I have to turn my head to aim the reticule to fire my weapon and I get even more disoriented from, from that point on. So I appreciate the game. I think the, and this would be the type of game that I would want to play if I had PlayStation VR, but the tech itself just makes me so disoriented that I really can't get a, a, get a hold of what I'm supposed to do. And there are some parts where he said, well, you know, for some people who've never used this, you know, and the guy gave me plenty of time. He said, take a couple minutes, just kind of slowly turn your head, uh, look around the environment, see where things are in this room, and just kind of keep that pace as you maneuver, as you go through the game. And even though I tried to do that, I still got disoriented. So dig the game, dig the tech behind PSVR and VR in general, but it's just something that I can't do. Um, and the, the, the disorientation is just so uncomfortable uh, that I, I don't even want to don't even want don't even want to mess with it and you know you could say well you know this was just that game that you had this with it i didn't even want to try any more vr i could have gone to other booths uh and tried and tried vr it just turned me off completely to the experience but like i said i dig why people are into it it's immersive it's uh it's exciting tech but it's just not something that i'm going to be able to use So that was my my first <laughs> and most likely last yeah. experience with, uh, with virtual you. reality. I feel you. You know, it, it does it does start to take its toll on you. I know when when Paul played it over at Joe's house, he got a little nauseous afterwards too. So it's just it's one of those things. You, it's just not for everybody. You know, I think it's great mm-hmm. that they're they're finally you know they're they're really pushing it and they're really trying hard to um, you know make games for it. You know they they they're working on their investment, and I give them props for that. But I just don't think I'll oh, ever absolutely. buy one. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not buying one. And it's not just PSVR. That would be I got a PC that could run Oculus or HTC Vive. I'm not buying either one of those either. It's just the the feeling of of disorientation was just really, really, really uncomfortable. So. Dig the tech, but it's just not for me. Yeah, I'm gonna play with VR a little bit more, see how I like it myself. But obviously, I made the investment. I better get the mm-hmm. extract the value out of it. So yeah, yeah, I would have been ticked off if, and and you know, I'd only have myself to blame. But if I would have purchased a headset and tried to you know enjoy it and have just this extreme disorientation. So uh, I had my reservations about it, but I wanted to wait until I actually tried it to get, you know, to get my final, to get my final impression. And I'm glad I was able to check it out at, at PlayStation experience and didn't cost me nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is, but the, the tech is good. It's, it's intriguing. But uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good with my TV and my DualShock. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Now, other games we played on Saturday, uh, just kind of, we'll kind of go through these fairly quickly here. Um, Arica had a demo for Fighting EX Layer, which is the next uh, edition featuring characters from the Street Fighter EX series at the show. And so there was a, a small wait, the wait in line, but they had a uh, setup with the Real Arcade Pro uh, Hayabusa. Um, sticks and uh, like top of the line hoary arcade sticks and uh, enjoyed what I played. I mean, pretty much it brought back memories of playing Street Fighter EX uh, back in the day. I played Skull of Mania with my uh, gameplay with Rose on there. I don't know what character you played, uh, Kevin, but uh, um, the demo's out on PS4 right now. So if you're listening to this podcast um, right when it comes out, uh, definitely go onto the store and download the demo because the demo is on the store and is available so mm-hmm. i i use the um the i guess he is like the uh, if ryu was in greece <laughs> <laughs> that's what this guy looked like <laughs> you know with the pompadour and you know the the you know the the raggedy jacket you know and all that stuff but uh yeah this is going to be a day one uh day one purchase you know my i Thoroughly enjoyed. I told folks before of you know the many hours me and my friend Damon would play uh, Street Fighter Plus Alpha on the play on the on the on the original PlayStation, trying to get trying to beat Akuma uh, using Do- uh, Docker and Dark, and it this game just brings back uh, those same memories with a bit faster. It plays a little bit faster. Uh, definitely uh, higher graphic fidelity, a lot of bright colors, particle effects, you know, on on the screen as your special attacks are going off. Um, yeah, I'm I'm real. I'm down for e- fighting EX Lair for sure. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And another game you turned me on to. I didn't check out the booth until after you did. Was a. Uh, game from a uh, small indie developer called uh, Russian Subway Dogs mm-hmm. on there. So I don't know if you want to go a little bit more into that, Kevin, and kind of go over how that game plays, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Thank you for telling me about it. At least, so. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, Russian Subway Dogs is kind of in, inspired by those old school, I guess you could even say it would go back to something like the 2600 in television era, but definitely those early 80 arcade games where it was just one scre- one static screen and everything you, all of your activity was done on that screen. Uh, basically you're a, you're a dog or even a cat in Russia in a Russian subway, uh, and you're starving to death <laughs> and the way you get food. There's this starvation meter at the bottom of the screen that, you know, continues to, to decrease. And when, once the bar is emptied, your, your poor little, little kitty or doggy has starved to death. Uh, but what you do as the subway stops, people get off and they're either eating something or drinking vodka. And if you walk behind them and bark or meow behind them, you make the person throw their food. You can jump up in the air to get more nourishment by doing an aerial bite or you can pick it up off the ground. Now, there are other dogs. There's like these Doberman Pinscher or Rottweiler-looking dogs that don't do any harm to you, but they will steal steal the food that falls. 
So the way you deal with them is the Russians that get off the subway with vodka, you bark behind them and they drop their vodka. Their vodka is flammable. So you can bark midair and control the to some degree the trajectory of those bottles and make those bottles hit the dogs or hit any other enemies that are on the screen. The neat thing is that there are some food that needs to be cooked. Like there'll be a woman that'll be walking with this giant fish and you can bark behind her to make her drop the fish, but the dog or the cat can't eat it until it's cooked. The only way to cook it (laughs) is to make a a vodka bottle hit it. So it becomes cooked. Uh, And it's, it's just really twitch, you know, old school, single screen mayhem, you know, that I grew up on, you know, it back, back in the day playing, <laughs> and, yeah, playing in television. Um, it's an awesome game. It's being developed by two people and it's coming to it's coming to multiple platforms, including the Switch and the Vita. Uh, I actually, they actually had the Vita version uh, there to play. I played that as well, and it play, it's just as fun. It's just on a smaller screen. Um, I was just enthralled by this little indie title, and that and that's the uh, uh, one of the neat things about going to something like PSX. I would imagine it's the same if you're going to PAX as well. Is that As you walk the floor, you never know what's going to grab your attention. That happened, that has happened all the, you know, for every PSX that I've I've ever attended, there's always a game there that just grabs my attention and holds me, particularly if it has its roots in old school arcade gameplay or even old school, you know, console gameplay from, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. That's the neat thing about an event like this is that you never know what's going to grab your attention. You never know what's going to surprise you. And that's what's really neat about the indie scene in general. Yeah, for more information on Russian subway dogs, you can check it out at SpookySquid.com on there. So just to throw that out there. And then I, same thing, Kevin. I like seeing the, the indie stuff. I like seeing stuff that people have passion behind that they're you know getting their one game out. You know, it's not like they're just trying to create a like a a, um, a shooter clone or something like that. You kind of see those games come out retail, and it's like, okay, what the hell is this Dead Alliance game? It looks so so much like a clone of like. A, you know, any other zombie first person shooter kind of thing where, you know, at least you can get some inspiration from these indie titles to where it's not just a third rate, you know, Call of Duty or a third rate uh, Dead Island or something like that, you know, right on it. So, so you kind of see the love in the game and the gameplay. So, mm-hmm. so uh, one game, indie game that kind of caught my eye. I know you also tried to and didn't really stick with you is a game called um, Piggy Ball on there from Mommy's Best Game. Games. Uh, they in the past have released a lot of indie titles on the Xbox um, indie marketplace, including games like Shoot One Up, Explosion Aid, Weapon of Choice on there. Um, it's basically made by one guy on there. His name is Nathan Fouts, but uh, the Piggy Ball basically is an overhead arcade game that you basically have to. Um, 
eat these tennis balls and go through the map and then basically if if need be you play a pig and because of the fact that you eat so many tennis balls you have to actually barf the tennis balls out <laughs> to squeeze through certain aspects of the um, stage on there so because the stage is like an overhead maze type where they have certain entry points and obviously the more tennis balls you eat the bigger you get and so you have to eat all the balls in the level to win but you know, as you get fatter while you eat you have to puke to reduce your body size to get to the next area of the stage and then basically go in try to eat all the tennis balls you just barfed back up while getting away from the barf on there so i enjoyed it because i got the kind of gameplay a little bit i know you played around with it a little bit kevin and you were kind of like uh i, th- I think it didn't didn't catch with you at the beginning right yeah it it, it didn't you know and i i appreciate what it's doing uh it's also kind of i kind of feel like uh that it's also old school inspired in his gameplay yeah. Uh, but it, 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 you know, for whatever reason, I was just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Okay. Other games I think we play on Saturday include uh, Far Cry 5. Both me and Kevin waited in line for a bit and got to play the single portion of Far Cry 5. Uh, playing Far Cry 4 quite extensively and Far Cry Primal, it's kind of the same formula, I think. Mm-hmm. Just in a new uh, setting on there. And I enjoyed what I played. I definitely... Air. I definitely did as well. Um, had problems using the sniper rifle. Um, I don't know what it is. It's like some of these some of these newer games are not getting uh, non what I would call non uh, uh, sim, uh, simulation sniping right. Like I, like there are a couple of times where I'm shooting at a guy who's standing in a doorway. I've got him dead to rights, right through the head, and nope, I missed him. How did I miss him? I, I don't understand. Uh, but the other weapons, like the AR, the handgun, uh, using the dog to to send people to to, to flush people out of corners, uh, all that was really cool. You know, familiar gameplay fair. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, the Far Cry formula. So uh, I'm definitely picking this game up as well. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. I mean, I tried to approach it just like I did with Far Cry 4 where I was trying to approach the um, area like a little bit of stealth and obviously being at a game show and, you know, having, you know, crappy 80s music blaring from the the booth and not being able to hear like half the audio cues playing the demo. It's just like I just went in uh, all guns blazing. And so, you know, Far Cry kind of became at least that game where, you know, I could almost make it almost like into GTA where I'm just jumping into a random car and running over people and killing bears and elephants mm-hmm. and other kind of crap. <laughs> at least with the Far Cry 4 like you know Tibetan like uh, motif and so I'll have to see this this Far Cry with its uh, America viewpoint you know America gonna be uh wrestling some grizzly bears i'm assuming but uh, the game played well and uh, i definitely was glad to play it on there so uh any interest in far cry 5 desmond or are you gonna kind of take a cursatory glance towards it i'll play to your house (laughs) there was a big you know fan of the far cry series you know i played four with you and i played uh real quick and i played you know primal at your house and so i don't know just I might pick it up. 
I don't know. I'll probably get it on a on a discount unless it's like like amazingly good and people are all like, "You gotta try this game." Then, but for the most part, meh, meh. Okay. Meh. All right, and then of course we, me and Kevin, wait in line to play this uh, unknown game uh, from this company called Bungie, and uh, we played some uh, multiplayer of this game called uh, Destiny Two. I can't believe you waited in line to play a game you already own. <laughs> Y'all are oh. out of control. <laughs> Y'all are insane. Oh, no, 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 no. We, we did it for a reason. You know, we have okay, to what's part the of, I got to hear this reason. Half the part of PSX is going through your app, just like I mentioned before, and seeing what goals there are. There are there's a, like a, a QR code that in each particular booth that you get um, scanned in. And once you get scanned in, you get rewards, including, you know, some, some booths reward you as like avatars for your PSN profile or things themes on that so on and so forth you know and so the um carrot on the end of the stick for the um bungee booth for our uh, destiny 2 happened to be a, a emblem that's exclusive to uh trade shows and trade events and in fact i checked online as far as the emblem and the emblem is going for uh 20 bucks on ebay on there because people want it so bad you know whether they actually sold it for 20 bucks or not Irregardless, but uh, I thought it was a short wait. Okay, and it's not like we're waiting in line for 45 minutes to play this thing. I think we wait in line, I think, three to five minutes at the most on there. And it's obviously just the Curse of Osiris uh, Crucible maps on there with a certain set amount of weapons and that kind of thing. So obviously I'm not going to go into gameplay (laughs) details or anything like that. Uh, But I enjoyed my time at the booth. And for people that maybe were on the fence, they got a chance to try out Destiny 2. So... So, in fact, later on the show on Sunday, um, I scored a Curse of Osiris poster. So that that thing is going into my gaming den ASAP. (laughs) So on that. um, Also at the show, too, games we played on Saturday. Um, Let's see here. Why don't you go, Kevin? I know you played Omen of Sorrow on Saturday, and I'm going to hear your impressions on that. So. Yeah, uh, Omen of Sorrow, it is this uh, fighting game using free-licensed monster characters, you know, like Frankenstein and Wolfman and, I guess, you know, Dracula. Uh, Played it last year, and it's very much in the same vein as Capcom's Darkstalkers. It's a 2D 2D fighting game with uh, 3D models, you know, put in a 2D plane. And when I played it last year, I could, uh, I think it was there the year before too. I can't remember uh, if that was the case, but I could see that there was something really neat taking place here. And this latest build, uh, they've improved, uh, on, uh, on at least, uh, in some of the things that I've noticed, uh, it's a little bit because e- we used a control pad, so it's easier to to pull off your special moves on the control pad. Whereas before, it was at least for me, it was you know downright impossible. Um, and graphic, it's graphically got a uh, a bit of an um, update. I noticed that there was a lot more going on in the background. Uh, the way you know the wind was blowing, the, you know the the grass. The and there was another level where you're fighting in a uh, in a structure that's on fire. I remember that scene 
uh, or that background uh, from the previous year, and it was not as as detailed as it was for this year. So it's coming along well. It's by a company called A1 Studios. And, you know, I talked to, I didn't get a chance to talk to the developer this year, but I talked to him last year. This guy is a uh, Darkstalkers fanatic. Uh, and you can see it in the product that they're trying that they're going to be bringing to uh, to the consoles. Um, definitely check out check out the gameplay on YouTube. Uh, follow follow A One Studios on on Twitter. It's a neat game that's going to be uh, pretty cool, especially. Since it doesn't look like we're going to be getting a a Darkstalkers uh, sequel anytime soon, um, this this game is going to be a nice little substitute for that. So I, I really like the direction that this game's going in. Right on. I haven't had an opportunity to play the game, but uh, there was a demo that went up the weekend of PSX, and of course it was only available for the weekend at PSX. Mm -hmm. So kind of like another game uh, that we might talk about in the future called Monster Hunter World also as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, We'll be talking about it. Well, no. I know. Just a quick quick aside. Uh, We're going to do... We're doing one more uh, show. Uh... That's going to be our game of the year edition uh, show, and uh, the beta for Monster Hunter World pick of pick of the year for me. Game of the year for me, the beta. Just FYI, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just why. kidding. I, I, I can no, I can just I can kidding. see. Just kidding. <laughs> but stay tuned for that because it's going to be amazing. I mean, the, our game of the year edition as well as Monster Hunter World. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. What else will we play at the show, Kevin? Is there anything um, else? I... Yeah, um, we got to mention Horizon Chase Turbo. Oh, of course, yeah. That's uh, I was talk uh, about. If you grew up on Outrun, if you grew up on Chase HQ, any of those arcade racers, even pole position for that matter, um, Horizon Chase Turbo is an ode to those old school, particularly Sega arcade racers um it is four player uh split screen and it it, i it just it just you know i i'm thinking i was playing outrun uh just in much much higher uh, graphic fidelity and and way smoother frame rate you can choose from real world cars Uh, i think i was driving a a 69 camaro uh, one of the cars was a Ferrari. Another one, there's a Lamborghini that you can choose from. And it is straight up outrun style drifting, which means that you just push on, push to the left, push all the way to the right on your digital pad to go into a drift. And if your timing is right, you'll drift that turn. If your timing is wrong, you're going to crash into a roadside you know, and, and uh, have to get, get your speed back up. But... I really like that game because, uh, again, you know, it's touching those nostalgic uh, gaming roots in my bones. And I really appreciate uh, what what Horizon Chase and so many other games that we played at PSX is doing with regard to that. 
Yeah, um, the studio that's developing that is actually based in Brazil, and they made the trip from Brazil to PSX to show that game off, and that's the first game they're actually publishing on their own on there. I know looking at their website that uh, they developed other like uh, Cartoon Network-type games for mobile on there, but uh, you know, I definitely enjoyed Horizon Chase Turbo quite a bit. It just had that, like, uh, they have multiple split-screen options, too. I think I was the car up on the top upper screen where you could uh, go to uh like uh four screens on one you know four individual screens on one screen playing four player multiplayer on there same screen multiplayer mm-hmm. on there or you were able to like use the top screen to be one player and then have the two smaller windows for the second and third player as well so love that there's option for couch co-op like that so yeah that's um, something that you don't see a lot nowadays yeah um, other games we play at the show on Sunday, uh, we kind of delved into uh, the Yakuza 6 demo. We waited in line finally at Sega Atlas to get uh, the opportunity to play that on there. From uh, you know, I already knew that this game was going to be a day one keeper on there because the Yakuza series, uh, even though I haven't really talked about too much on the shows whatnot, uh, it's one of the series I enjoy. It's like a little small RPG brawler. It's like a modern day version of River City Ransom when you really think about it. I really want to get into that game too. You know, so real quick, real quick, like what games do you think I should start with? You know, because seriously, like I really been wanting to get in that game. It seems like it's a lot of fun. Like I, I used to read manga, you know, Yakuza type manga. So I really think it would be fun so what game do you think i should you know or, or anyone looking to start that series sh- should do or should should experience well obviously yakuza kiwami i mean is out for um ps4 and that's the first game in the series remade for modern audiences also uh, yakuza zero would be another one because uh, obviously it's just the first game in the series um you know as far as the sequential uh, as far as the storyline and that kind of thing because it's based in the 80s but uh um Pro tip, uh, Desmond Yakuza Kiwami is available right now at Best Buy for eleven ninety nine on there. So, All right, everybody. So, so we're going to call this uh, to a close because I got to go over to Best Buy real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. But, yeah, that's a great. Like, I'm going to have to go over there and, and get that then. You know, that was the one with the still book, right, too? Yeah, that's the one with the still book, yeah. All right. I'm going to have to pick that up. Thank you. Good looking out. No, no problem. I know it's on sale and on clearance quite a bit. It's on sale at... Uh, um, Best Buy, of course, but uh, it's also on clearance at Target if you manage to grab it on there. So um, just take a look out for that. I mean, obviously, the price point's agreeable because Yakuza yeah, 0 is still up there as far as price is concerned. I think it's gone down as of late, but, um, you know, it's still, you know, a little bit more expensive than Yakuza Kiwami is, so... So, but uh, what we played at the demo, we're very much looking forward to. Do you have anything to add as far as what the what we played on the demo, Kevin? Uh, not really. You still beat up street thugs, and the gameplay is very fluid. It's exciting, you know. It. it I have to say though, Yakuza Zero. When you you beat the yen out of people, that just does not get old. It, it, it just does not get old the way that the way that they have that combat set up in that game. Um, but 
Uh, Yakuza 6, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, uh, the combat is just as smooth as it as it has been in any of the, the more recent, whether it's the remake or the... Uh, uh, something like Yakuza Zero, which also plays silky smooth. So, okay. And then another game me and Kevin had the opportunity to play at the show on Sunday was this indie title name, Iconoclast. In fact, I liked it so much I uh, sh- told Kevin where the booth was and imp- implored him to play it. So, mm-hmm. and uh, the game is a uh, like a 16-bit side-scrolling. Uh, action game. It's developed by one guy uh, from Sweden, Jokam uh, Senden, uh, Sendenberg, Sandberg on there. It's being um, published by a group. Um, I don't have the publisher's name, but it's coming out in um, January for PS4. On there, it's also coming out for Vita, also for PC, of course. And uh, basically, you play as this uh, uh, female character, Robin, and what she does is that uh, her unique thing is that there is a wrench that she uses throughout the stages. And one stage, you know, using the wrench to like open up like doorways, and you actually crank the wrench by banging one of the buttons on there. So also there's another stage where, you know, you are uh, uh, going, you know, with electrified wrench, basically going up these uh, platforms and whatnot. So, so it's the successor to Ratchet and Clank or... <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the interesting thing is that uh, some one of the NPCs refers to her as a mechanic. Yeah. So she's uh, that wrench obviously is comes into play in in the story as to why she has it, and you know why that mechanic is in this world. I there were two, I there were at least two different demos going on. The one that I played was a straight up level where you just had to solve the puzzles of some of the sliding uh, columns. It kind of reminded me of, um, uh, um, what was that, that eight, that eight bit game where, uh, uh, where you had to move the red and blue columns up using the robot. Um, I can't remember that. I can't remember anything nowadays, but you, as you torqued the the bolt on one thing it would move a certain set of uh columns up or down and you had to traverse to get to what you needed then you had to get to the next bolt turn that and move it move a different set so there are some some puzzle aspects kind of like maybe some uh hints of uh uh you know uh, uh metroid uh, style gameplay I would imagine that you would – I can see where if you uh, acquired different abilities that you might want to go back in order to to get to some places that maybe you couldn't before. But that was the, the, the demo I played and I was able to complete it. The other one was an actual boss fight that uh, that you were doing right yeah i played the boss fight one and there was two different stages plus the boss fight so they had a plethora of different uh, uh gameplay levels and things to kind of see on that and so i'm definitely going to keep an eye out for it it's uh, on pre-order on steam right now i believe it's retailing at least on the pc side uh for around what the uh, 14.99 i believe so mm-hmm on that so i'm looking for a similar price point on um, you know psn of course as well but uh, the 
publisher is Dangan Entertainment, and what they do is they localize games and publish games worldwide, but they also uh, publish games in Japan and localize games for Japan as well. So it's kind of a cool thing that they do on there, being that they're a publisher based out of Japan on there, and they kind of specialize in translating games into Japanese and, and vice versa. So. Mm-hmm. So kind of a good thing but it was awesome that they had a booth at the show and uh, i enjoyed that game quite a bit you know so but uh they're and they're promising uh, uh a, cons- a game with uh, lots of meat to it. it looks like it's going to be a 10 to 20 hour playthrough on that so so definitely looking forward to that um also me and my wife rose happened to sit down and play a game called the swords of ditto being published by devolver entertainment on there and devolver of course publisher of uh, lots of cool indie titles including like hot molly in miami and so on and so forth on there the swords of ditto though takes kind of a page out of the legend of zelda and kind of puts everything on its ear a little bit it's uh, considered as being a quote-unquote compact action rpg but uh it kind of takes the tropes of Zelda and with an amusing art style kind of puts everything on its ear. And I just love the art style and the fact that it's co-op on there and the art is just, you know, just kind of just beautiful to look at. It's, it's almost like a watercolory uh um, graphical comic graphical style that just really just kind of stands out and even though they're kind of taking a lot of the gameplay tropes from uh, you know the original Legend of Zelda especially with it being multiplayer I think it's just awesome what they're doing with this thing so it's coming out in 2018 but from what I've played of it uh, Rose is definitely interested I'm definitely interested in playing this thing co-op so mm-hmm. And so, anything else you played on Sunday that kind of stood out to you? I know you played Lost Soul Aside, right, Kevin? Yeah, I uh, played Lost Soul Aside, and for me, this was probably my game of the show floor. Um, basically, Lost Soul Aside is a devil, heavily Devil, devil May Cry-inspired uh, 3D brawler, and you know how I love my beat-em-ups. Um as far as a style, think of it as uh, Devil May Cry fused with Final Fantasy, particularly uh, something like from 13 on forward uh, with the, as far as the character designs. Very fast-paced, very difficult. Um, I didn't even make it to the boss character of the demo, uh, there were some people that did, but at least I did not see anybody actually beat the boss. The furthest I saw was someone was able to get the boss into a second form. And it's this huge, uh, first is crawling around on all fours, and in his second form, he's walking upright, lobbing these energy blasts at you. Um, this is a, uh, apparently it was developed by one person using Unreal Engine 4. Uh, His name is Bing Yang. The game is part of, I guess, what they're calling the China Hero Project, which is um, part of uh, a Sony Sony Entertainment um, uh, group that is trying to... uh, uh, support development, gaming, game development going on in China. And I tell you, this game is freaking amazing. If you, to see it being played, you would think that this was, you know, a multi, 
person staff putting a game that's as polished as it is at this point together. I mean, you know, we've there there are games that you can buy right now that aren't nearly as polished as this uh, one person developed uh, Unreligion Four engine powered uh, game is. The combat, you know, again. Very Devil May Cry, aerial combos, ground combos, switching from sword to spear to heavy blade uh, using the digital pad. And you you have this, um, this uh, I guess it's a dragon, uh, uh, quote, I say dragon, quote, unquote, it's mostly like, it looks kind of like a dragon ghost head <laughs> kind of thing. It's not a whole dragon following you around. But when you power up, get your meter powered up, you can use that dragon's head to basically eat anything that's in front of you. Uh, and I would assume that you could use that to attack the boss as well. Um, really excited for this game. And it was interesting because when I finally got to uh, the event on Sunday after dealing with the crap with my phone, uh, I was kind of in a funk, but playing this game, um, uh, Lost Soul Aside, really brought me out because it was so exciting and just so beautiful to watch in to watch in motion. Um, hands down, uh, my my game of show uh, with with regard to what I actually with regard to what I actually played. I cannot wait until this game is available. Yeah, that uh, China Hero uh, booth, I also played another game called uh, Code Hardcore, and it was actually a side-scrolling, like, four-player uh, mech game um, that is all in, like, the 2D style on there, but you basically had a four-player split-screen, and you were able to go in and out and, like, shoot your opponents, and it was it was, it was fun for what I played on there. I kind of wish I had a chance to play. They had a couple other games set, but the booth, uh, one was called uh, Project Boundary, but it was like a crazy ass uh, 2v2 game where you're um, it's like a first person shooter, but you're um, astronauts in space sitting there and, and trying to fly in zero gravity space <laughs> and uh, shooting each other through all these uh, space station type uh, deals on there. And then half the th- me watching this gameplay demo is that just trying to traverse the stage in zero gravity up up in you know surrounding earth of course you know sitting there trying to shoot a gun in space with a damn uh, neil armstrong suit on at the same time shooting at people so it's just like kind of ridiculous but it looked fun as hell so <laughs> nice on that but that pretty much uh, puts a cap on everything uh, that we kind of played around with at the psx i don't know if you have anything else to add Kevin on there. I mean, I enjoyed the boots from what I saw. There was some games I didn't get a chance to play that I wanted to play, but, you know, it's just like only so much time in the day. I mean, the first day at least, uh, we stayed until 9 o'clock. I mean, the show opened up at 10, and we got on the floor, I believe, around... Me and Rose got up there around 11 o'clock, waiting in line to have to get in. I know, Kevin, you just came in 
and didn't have to wait in line or anything on Saturday and pretty yeah. much enjoyed the floor and, uh, you know, doing 10 hours, you know, 12 hours on the floor is kind of a hardcore a bit, you know, we did, we did our best, you know, we, uh, stayed around till almost a day, an hour before closing. And this is a be kind of a show where if you wanted to come down, if it's still in Anaheim in the future, you could probably do one day on Saturday and then go to Disneyland on Sunday or go do something else. If you don't want to do a second day on this. So, but uh, one thing I'm definitely going to do is I'm going to I'm going to pack some Dr. Scholl's uh, pads <laughs> for for my feet. Yeah, I, I wear Skechers. Go. I wear Skechers, which are extremely comfortable. Don't I don't want don't get me wrong. I will probably never purchase another brand of sneakers ever again other than Skechers because they've worked wonders for my feet. I suffer from uh, plantar's fasciitis. Anybody that that's familiar with that or knows what that is knows that that can be really painful. In fact, I get I got hit with that really hard at PSX. What was it two years ago? Yeah, uh, made made the experience you know almost unbearable. But Skechers really help, <laughs> really help. But even standing uh, for long periods of time stationary. Uh, you can even start to even the sketchers. You can even start to feel the pressure building up in your feet. So uh, I think definitely for next year, um, I'm going to be getting some Dr. Scholl's or some other type of uh, uh, foot comforting bolster uh, sole insert uh, to help aid in 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 standing for long periods of time because. These bones is old, <laughs> not as no, okay. not 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 nineteen twenty years old anymore. Uh, so oh, kind of feeling if, it. If anyone out there is a podiatrist or has <laughs> a degree in podiatry, hey, let us know. Nelson <laughs> <laughs> brothers out. <laughs> help us at least I, i'm speaking for myself i don't know about kevin help us big big guys out over here standing in line at Dude, I, got, sure. I got foot problems i got back problems i got the whole gamut so Yikes. <laughs> help but they'll, but they'll stand in line for these games though hell yeah we got our priorities straight right <laughs> So well, uh, I mean, I, I again, I can't wait to go next year if it's at Anaheim. Even I'm gonna try very hard to go next year because, like, just listen to you guys talk about the games you got to play and then having experienced it before. Like, I I really missed it. Like, I, I really there's something about you know conventions and and video game conventions that just kind of like you know there's a lot of fun. So if you haven't done one and it comes and you have one you can get to or it comes to your town, definitely try one. Definitely yeah. try it. And plus, there's a lot of there's a lot of developers that are in the uh, in the in the Southern California area in the Northern California area. Um, so I, I'm hoping that there are no plans to move it uh, in the future, uh, at least not out of California. Uh, but well, let me ask you let me ask you this as we close out this subject. How far would you guys be willing to travel to go to PSX in the future if they if it is moved? As far as Vegas, uh, probably Vegas yeah. or or Anaheim. Um, those, I mean, those two seem like the most logical places. But but if they've got a pretty good deal in Anaheim, I, I don't see them moving. But but yeah, I would try to stay in California or a state you know adjacent. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go too far. You know that's yeah, I know. 
And maybe if it's somewhere where I could get to and get back, I mean, like maybe Chicago, you know, I'd probably travel to or Seattle, I would say. I don't know about New York, New York, especially in December. Yeah, so. you, that is a hard pass. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I traveled to Atlanta for a couple of E3s and even going down to Hot Atlanta, it was, it was all right. But, uh, you know, just to go down there to play some game demos and everything, I mean, I love the fact that it's out there. But, the, you know, outlay that much in plane tickets and hotel accommodations, I might as well just put it towards my gaming budget versus... <laughs> You know, you know, I can, I can get get myself a nice t another TV for my living room or something. You know, so. But yeah, Mike, Ew. sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, okay, folks. So we're gonna move into a little bit of PSX news. Uh, some some things, some information was re- released while we were there. So Joe, why don't you hit the folks up with what you got? Okay, just got a couple of things just aside, just because I didn't get to see it on the show floor or not, but uh, it was kind of part of the uh, Sony media teams, like, because uh, they did run some uh, content out there on YouTube and some live stream stuff like they would normally do at a E3 or a Paris game show. And uh, they announced a uh, VR version of Killing Floor, Killing Floor Incursion. Um, basically got a preview on there. Um, that's coming out the PlayStation VR in 2018 on there. So if you ever want to play Killing Floor in VR, you have a chance. It's coming out for uh, um, PlayStation VR, HTC Vive, and Oculus Rift on there. It was announced, I guess, earlier in the year on there. Um well, actually, no, actually, the game's already out on HTC Vive and Oculus Rift as we speak. So, but uh, the PlayStation VR version's coming out in 2018. So, no exact thing, but, you know, if, I'm sure once it comes out, if you want to come over to my house, Kevin, and give it a gander, <laughs> I imagine playing <laughs> Killing Floor in VR. I don't know. Uh, disorientation might, City. You might die right there. <laughs> What am I going to tell your wife? Run away. away, Death by VR. (laughs) Run away, my friend. Run away. Okay. And then also, during the live stream of some of the PlayStation Experience um, items, they had a um, sneak preview, a, a demo of Tennis World Tour. It's coming out for PS4 in May of 2018 on there. It's going to be also available for all of their consoles as well, including Xbox, PC, and not sure about Switch version, uh, but yeah, it looks like uh, it might be coming out for that as well. But uh, this is from the same team, at least the producer and director that did the uh, Top Spin series that started out, uh, out on the Microsoft Xbox platform and ultimately got picked up by 2K. And uh, I think the last game that came out in that series was Top Spin 4 for uh, Xbox 360 and PS3 on there. So that hasn't been really a, a tennis game that has come out since on there. And they wanted to basically um, kind of fill in that gap for people that don't have an actual tennis game available on there. And I kind of brought this up because I know um, Desmond that Paul Very is excited. a big, fa- big fan of Top Spin, and so I know he, both of us were. Yeah, so uh, this is basically almost like Top Spin Five if you really take a look at it. That yeah. uh, it's a it's an actual tennis sim 
coming out and um, they worked with pro tennis players to capture their motion capture movements as they played on a real court. Uh, they're striving to get the animations down exactly on there. Um, it's being published by a big band interactive on there. It's going to feature over 30 playable tennis players, including uh, Roger Federer, uh, Angelique Kerber, and other tennis professionals on there. So, on there. So, if, if you get a chance, just take a look at the uh, PlayStation Experience live stream on there in the demo. If you're excited for a new tennis game to come out, so and I, I'm a big fan of Virtua Tennis, the Sega's thing, but I know that the those games are kind of come and gone. You know, I wish there was more room in the market for more arcadey uh, sports games. You know, I think. Uh, you know, and I'll have to give this game a shot because uh, I never really dabbled in topspin. I always stayed on the Virtua Tennis side, but I know Virtua Tennis is a little bit more of a arcade game versus an actual sim. So I played every top game, uh, every topspin game that has come out. I've played, and they've all been they've all literally stepped on the on you know on the backs of of the of the prior games and have gotten better each iteration. So I'm really excited for this one. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right on. So this might be a um, what the gaming vessels like game night game. Sure. You know, we'll sure. I keep trying all... to get you to play everybody's golf, but you know you hounded oh, me I'm... to play it, and I got it, and now I play it, and you don't even have it on your system. Oh, I am going to be playing it. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's this public guilt for? Come on, man. If we're gonna talk off air, we'll talk off air. What are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's how you got to do it, folks. <laughs> Hell, if you want me to play everybody's golf, you let me know, listeners. You, you send me a personal, <laughs> personal message on Twitter. You no, can tweet no, no me. personal messages. Send it out. Be like, Joe, yeah. why aren't you playing everybody's golf? <laughs> Listen, sir, I'm going to, as soon as we finish recording this wonderful podcast, I'm going to go install it right now. Even though I'm supposed to go to Lefty Brown's house and go hang out with Mr. Lefty Brown, I'm going to go install it and play no, a you 18. Go, you should go hang out with Lefty Brown. We can play no, golf. I, so. No, I, I, I'm going to play golf, sir. So what's any more news, my friend? Uh, that that will do. Or I, I think this podcast, we originally scheduled this to be a one hour retrospective about yeah, PlayStation experience. Obviously enjoyed your time at PSX or at PSX. So well, and I'm obviously glad you guys were able to, uh, to, to like it, it just makes me. And I really hope this, 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 you know, inspires the listeners to go because it really like was like it just it's fun, you know, having been there again, like I've been there once, you know, just having it's fun. If you haven't experienced it, you guys really should, you know, it's a lot of fun. For sure. For sure. For sure. So that is our look-see of PSX, though, guys. So, um, so, Kevin, can you tell the fine people where they can find us on social medias? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can find me on in the Twitter sphere. I am Shonuff71, S-H-O-N-U-F-F, the number 71. Joe is at Joe Fongul, J-O-E-F-O-N-G-U-L. Des, the Bay Area Terror, can be located at Nemo Cub. Is that correct? Is that correct? Uh, yep, is, that's correct. Okay, N-E-M-O-C-U-B. You can also find us on PlayStation Network. My ID is S-H-O-N-U-F-F, the number seven. Joe is at uh, Kamunagara, K-A-M-U-N-A-G-A-R-A. 
And Dez is at Nemo Tigger. N e n e m o t double g r. So that's where you'll be able to find us on Thursdays for our game nights, typically. Um, I'm. We're, since we're moving into the Christmas and end of the year holidays, um, we'll keep we'll keep you up to date uh, through Twitter uh, with regards to our game nights. That may change for the for this coming week. I'm not sure uh, with regards oh. to scheduling. If you see us on, just hit yeah. us up. You got our PSN names. Uh, pretty much add us as friends. God, no, just let us know you're a listener of the show. Uh, we'll throw something up just in case if we do anything formal as far as, uh, you know, God forbid, play anything else other than Destiny 2. I'm just speaking for myself. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> so if, if, if I know places everybody's golf. Yeah, Al, I know what Surgeon Fire, I know you both said something about everybody's golf. And so, hey, guess what? You put my feet to the fire. I'm gonna get burnt corns, and I I will play my everybody's golf. So tee up, sir. Tee up. I am teeing up. <laughs> I'm gonna tee up to get beat down, sir. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna put a club up someone's. You know what? Tee up to get beat down. That's all I'm gonna say. That's why he's scared. Everybody, he's scared. He's scared. He want to play. He's scared. He's like I don't uh, want to get beaten. I'm scared by your face. Is what I'm. <laughs> you know what? Whatever you got to tell yourself. You know, whatever, whatever you got to tell yourself, buddy. Okay, and, and before this goes any further, uh, <laughs> let me also say that you can contact us if you would like to actually be on the show. If you have some points and perspectives that you'd like to share regarding the the, the gaming industry or video games in general. You can hit us up at gamingvessels at gmail.com. Uh, let us know what, what you'd like to do. Share your p- points of view with us and heck, even be on the show because we want to we want to be an interactive podcast. We want to have our listeners on and share their perspectives. So yes. definitely keep that in mind, folks. Uh the next time you hear us, we will have our end of the year, game of the year picks and discussions. Um, and after that, we will be returning. Uh, we, I don't think we have a solid date locked down, but it will be sometime, obviously, after January after January 1st. Uh, probably that first, uh, either that first or second week following the seventh, most likely. Yeah, the week of the seventh is okay. is is when we is is most likely. You know when we will be returning for all of you. Okay. So just mark your calendars. Yeah. You know, this is a ready. special yeah. episode, and special. the following one when it, when it posts will be a special episode. And then in January we'll be kicking off with season two of Gaming Vessels proper with the you know usual. Uh, uh, nomenclature and numbering. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just consider this gaming vessels to the stars, or like <laughs> gaming vessels, uh, Olympics. You know, celebrity Olympics. You know, just like back in the day. You know, our next control, episode game, game in the year would be like you know, like you know, um, gaming vessels, New Year's Rock and Eve, or something like wow, that. So, really? <laughs> oh gosh! No. <laughs> rest in rest in peace, Dick Clark. Really you fair. know it. Yeah. <laughs> so, with that, I am Shonuff seventy nine. Shonuff seventy one. If I can speak, Dagnabbit. Uh, he is the Bay Area Terror Des, 
And also along with us, we have Trader Joe, who will maximize your gaming dollar. Joe Fongul, and we will be catching you next time. Peace.